Welcome to episode 552 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Richard, it's been two weeks. It has. It feels like it's been 42 weeks. Yeah, um, you you and you and I have been having a bit of life going on and Yeah. It it kind of interferes every once in a while with our best laid plans as <laughs> well any home one listener might know. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, so it, it's been busy, but we didn't want to leave you all hanging for too too long. Uh so we are back this week with a fair amount of news, although Frank, I mean it's two weeks. There there's been a fair amount of stuff. We're not going to include all of it. You know, we we kind of trimmed it down to the most important things, I think. Uh, and we also have one piece of listener feedback from Mark. He sent us a regular email. He didn't use the contact form. He sent it to entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. Mark says, I've been a listener for years, and I can't believe my first email to you guys is about something as boring as parental controls. When discussing the Google TV parental controls features, Josh mentioned that the system results in kids getting mad at the device, and Richard countered that they'd more likely get mad at the parents. I can only speak for my family, of course, but in my experience, Josh is totally right. Before actually having kids, I used to joke about families that rely on parental controls instead of just parenting properly. Yeah, I was a jerk. Uh, Mark? The the statement that my wife and I use is, I was never a better parent than before I had children. <laughs> we I, we were all like that. It's okay. We, we'll, we've, we've got all the grace in the world for you, Mark. Uh, he says, but with two kids in my home, ages five and nine, I'm amazed to see how different their response is when a timer runs out versus mom or dad asking the, or taking the device out of their hands. When the timer runs out, they will usually put the device down in a huff and go do something else. When it's a direct parent-enforced break, there's a lot more arguing and resistance. Also, I have to admit that I'm not always thinking about my kids' screen time. Having these controls in place helps keep the kids on a schedule and prevents me from losing my patience when I realize they've been on devices for hours and they need to shut down immediately. I'm not sure if it's the same for other families, but parental controls are super handy for keeping the peace in my house. That's really cool. And I clearly didn't expect that that's how things worked, but it makes total sense. The device is cutting you off, not your parent. And I guess the way that that gets presented too, right? Like if you were to go in and, well, I'm going to reduce your time is a very different thing than, oh, the device only works for like three hours at a time. Right, right. It, it really does work. And I mean, kids need boundaries, absolutely. And your job as a parent, uh, my job as a parent is to enforce those boundaries, but it doesn't always have to be me specifically doing it. Some Sometimes these types of devices can be really effective. So Mark, I'm glad to hear that that sort of thing is working out well for you. Uh, but it's not a parenting podcast, so I guess we should get on with some tech news. <laughs> Probably, yes. <laughs> okay, so on the video news front, we're going to start with a device. Uh, hardware is always fun. We all want more gadgets in our house, maybe. 
Not me. Not me right now. I'm clearing out gadgets out of my house since I'm trying to move and I don't want to move all of that stuff to another house. But <laughs> So if you are looking for new devices, Tableau has got a new DVR that might interest you. So with Tableau, if, if you've not used a, a Tableau DVR and, and you can't really remember exactly their, their claim to fame, Tableau was one of the first companies to, re- to release headless DVRs. So uh, a DVR device where you would bring your own hard drive, but it had tuners built in, and then it just sat on your network. And you would watch that content by using an app on a Roku or a Fire TV or, you know, your phone, lots of other devices. It did not have HDMI outputs. That all changed last year. Uh, last year, they released their first model with HDMI outputs, and it had two tuners. Now, they're offering a four-tuner model because sometimes two tuners isn't enough. More even. tuners, always better. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, I think, for an over-the-air DVR, two tuners is probably enough. But uh, yeah, four is always better. So this one also has HDMI CEC. So if you've just got this as you know, one of your only devices hooked up to your TV, the remote control might control those other devices like your TV or maybe even some other boxes, but it's HDMI CEC, so your mileage will definitely vary. <laughs> um, the other thing to know here is, while we said that Tableau's original business model was giving you headless uh, DVRs that would then allow you to stream all around your house, these HDMI-based models, they work differently. They have different hardware inside also. It's not just an HDMI input on the back of it. It's also got a different chip in it. So when these ones record, they just leave that MPEG-2 video that you're getting over the air in MPEG-2. They're not transcoding it down into, you know, uh, well, lots of other potential formats that could be used for for streaming on other devices. It's just MPEG-2. There's two major limitations from that. One, MPEG-2, since it's essentially raw, takes up a lot more space. Big. Yeah, a lot bigger, a lot bigger. So, you know, from a one terabyte hard drive, you're looking at like 130 hours of video storage, HD video storage. With their non-HDMI ones that actually did compression, you'd get 700 hours of storage. The other downside is your ability to stream to other devices is severely limited because there just aren't a ton of devices out there that support MPEG-2. Plus, the files are a lot bigger, so your network has to be up to snuff. And that that's especially true if you're going to try and do this uh, over Wi-Fi streaming. Oof. So some some pretty big limitations there. But if you're thinking about putting this in a place that doesn't have the greatest internet, you just need a DVR, like maybe it's a cabin, vacation cabin or something like that, then this might be a good solution. You really just need enough internet connectivity to occasionally pull down two weeks of guide data, then this will do that. But if you're looking for something to be your main DVR that streams to all of your devices all over the place, this isn't the device for you you would want to go with one of their regular DVRs, which then requires you to use a different streaming device. But if all of this is interesting, it's available now, and it's 200 bucks. If you don't need all four tuners, the, the dual tuner model 
is $50 less at $150. Any thoughts on this, Richard? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of impressed by the pricing being just 50 bucks more than the dual tuner. So that's a good thing. I, you know, I, I very distinctly remember the specific occasion, the moment that we first encountered Tableau. It was at a Pepcom event at CES, and we were kind of baffled by this idea of a headless DVR. And so for them to take such a turn, for them to go in a direction that is so optimized for the opposite type of use case, I think is interesting. But I also think that they've made the price point appealing enough that, you know, if this is what you need, then it's probably a good solution for you. Yeah, although I, I think it, it starts to muddy their product offerings. Well, I, I guess, you know, you could say muddy or you could also say expand. <laughs> Expands in a less than, I, I, I don't know, the, the communication I think is just challenging, right? Because right. it's not like they name it well enough. It, it has the name HDMI in, in the product name, sure. but. If you're used to what Tableau normally does, right. it doesn't do that. Not well, at least. Well, I was going to say it does do it. It just doesn't do it as well or as compatibly or as efficiently or whatever else. So, right. yeah, it does, it does limit that. But, you know, we'd be talking about another $75 to $100. Would we? Don't, don't you think? I don't know. Like, the, those chips. You really think they're that expensive? Based on what we've seen with other devices that do or don't have them. I mean, remember, this is the big difference between the two tiers in the HD home run devices as well. The older HD home run tuners, in fact, most of the HD home run tuners, did not transcode to these more efficient formats and when they came out with ones that did they cost a lot more they did and they're basically abandoning them too so don't buy those which is uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. right uh, yeah but but that wasn't ever just a dvr it was just a tv tuner i i True. think that this is i don't know i, I just think it's a little bit confusing i, I wish they could have done both for not a dramatic price increase yeah i don't know 50 bucks might be worth it, but I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't recommend paying more than that. Yeah. All right. Well, while they're coming out with subpar products for what people are used to, I'm more concerned about this next one that you really here, Josh. Yes. So you're concerned about HBO Max releasing an ad supported tier of the service. Yeah. I hate this idea. I can't Why? even begin. I hate the idea of ads on HBO. I mean, ads in HBO already. We hear complaints. We get letters from listeners. Letters in the mail. Letters in the mail with sent with self <laughs> stamps. Right. Right? No, we don't, because we don't give out our address. <laughs> <laughs> but we get mail from listeners who are like, there is no way I am watching a pre-roll ad for an HBO show before watching an HBO show because I pay for HBO. And, well, yeah. So they're going to kind of turn that on its head a little bit. 
Okay, so just to be super clear, what, what's got Richard so mad is HBO wants to take their HBO Max service, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is $15 a month, right? Roughly. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I get it for free, so I don't know. <laughs> That's why you're mad. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. So they want to take their service that's regularly $15 a month, and they're going to make a version of it that is free, but is ad-supported. So you'll have to watch ads with your HBO stuff. And there's one other big thing that you're not going to get, and that is the the day one theatrical release stuff. So like Mortal Kombat is, I don't know, out or about to come out. I'm not sure about the release date on that. It's maybe in theaters where theaters are open right now, but it's also going to be on HBO Max on day one. Uh, I think Mortal Kombat's HBO Max, right? There's so many friggin' streaming services, I can't even remember which ones have the day one movies. Is that HBO? Sure. Okay. But you get the point. <laughs> so they won't have that. Um, but they have basically all the rest of the content. You're just going to have to watch ads. So, and they've, at the same event, it's worth noting that they said, we have no plans to do anything related to live sports with the service this year. The, brush that aside. It's not that interesting. The The ad supported stuff is kind of interesting though. Um, the thing that I don't, completely understand is in in the quote uh, and this is an article from streamable uh they they quoted one of the hbo representatives as saying we will not be having advertising inside the hbo original series Mm -hmm. does that mean sopranos and game of thrones or does that mean like are there hbo max specific series well but that's not what this statement says. It doesn't say HBO Max series. And yes, there are. It says HBO original series. And yes, that's exactly what The Sopranos and Game of Thrones were. And so that reinforces to me that some executive who's in charge of HBO original content said, there's no damn way in hell you're putting <laughs> advertising in the middle of our shows. It's not happening. Reinforcing my idea that somebody else thought it was probably a bad idea. Now. That said, the fact that you're going to be able to get access to HBO original series without paying a subscription fee, if it's the entire catalog, like you can, for the most part, get through HBO Max, that's amazing. Right. It sure is. That might get me to watch some of these. Like, I'm still not watching Game of Thrones. It's not happening. But... (laughs) I might be willing to watch The Sopranos. Like, Sopranos has always been a show that's seemed interesting, even though I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are other HBO series that I'd be interested in. Can't think of any of them, but there's probably something out there. And for free with some ads, uh, but again, it always comes down to to how the ads are implemented, right? If I have to watch the same ad six times in one episode, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. yeah. But HBO is probably gonna do a better job than that they are hbo after all i would totally suspect that they will i think you know notice the very specific language in this statement though inside the hbo original series so they will very likely do pre-roll and post-roll ads they already do that for other hbo shows before the hbo original series so yeah i mean that that's good we just talked about how you thought that in the last story about Tableau, that the offering was muddying their waters. I think this is 
very similarly muddying the waters of the HBO brand. I think the HBO brand has always been associated with the best of cable television. HBO is why many people got cable television 30, 40 years ago, because you had access to movies and other content without advertising that you couldn't get elsewhere. And them adding this as a way of now experiencing HBO, I think what that does is it is it kind of reinforces how awkward this HBO branding is for all things Warner, because that's really what HBO Max is. Right. Is all things Warner. Yeah, we're not just talking about HBO content here. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It it definitely waters down the HBO brand. I don't think it makes it super muddy in the way the Tableau does because we're used to seeing streaming services that have a free tier and a premium tier. There's usually not $15 in between them, but but the idea of of a free ad supported tier and a premium tier without ads is not unusual at all. This is true. This is true. And, and you know, for the record, I kind of want to defend my defense of ad-supported <laughs> services. You want to defend your defense. I want to defend okay. my defense. I don't have a problem with the ad-supported services like what we've seen on Plex and like what we've seen through Vudu, and even though the ads on Vudu are just ridiculous, and others, because they're not trying to do this thing where, well, okay, you could watch these movies from us with or without ads, the way some paid services do it. This is just, in addition to other stuff we have, we also offer you this free stuff. And the only way to get it is with ads, because it's free. And I think that's a different offering than saying you can get our content with ads, or you can get our content without ads, the way that, say, Hulu does it. Right. right. Or CBS. And, 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 I, and I have a big problem with that. I don't like the idea that you pay a subscription fee and still have to watch ads in content. I think that, frankly, is crap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been really consistent on that point. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I think we think, well, I think I think overall this is good news. And the next story I think is definitely good news. It's going to save me a bunch of money. So the NHL, the National Hockey League, the, the premier hockey league in North America and really the world. Sorry, Russians. Uh, is changing their TV partnership. They've had a long-term, I think it was a seven or 10-year, it might have been a 10-year deal with NBC, which meant that you'd occasionally get uh, nationally televised games on NBC, but most of them were on NBC Sportsnet, uh, which definitely required a pay TV service to watch. Well, and on a network that so many people didn't even know existed. so. ESPN, uh, as as the contract was coming up, came in and made a better offer. And hallelujah, so happy because the NHL starting next season is returning to ESPN for the first time in well over 10 years, uh, probably more like 15 years. It's been forever since the NHL was on ESPN, but I can still hum the the theme song for for hockey on ESPN. It's it's what I grew up with. Uh, it, it was great. and. That, but that's not the only cool thing here. Like that, that is that wouldn't be worth 
talking about on this show. What is really cool is they're changing how cord cutters can watch hockey games. So I'm a cord cutter. And for you regular listeners, you know that what I do to watch my hockey games is I pay for the NHL TV service. That service, it's uh, trying to remember the the football version. Um, I don't remember. It's super big. Everyone knows the football service that you can pay for. It's just like that. Like something pass from yeah nfl yeah yeah, i can't believe i'm blanking or something something like that yeah anyway it's like that where you pay one subscription and you get access to all of the out of out of market and non-nationally televised games so i don't live near pittsburgh and my favorite team is the pittsburgh penguins so i can watch all of the penguins through this uh, all of the penguins games except for the ones that are on national tv that's the current service and that service ends up being about 140 bucks for the season which isn't awful it's not bad and i think it's considerably less than nfl sunday ticket that's the name of that service yep yep (laughs) finally came into my head i think it's considerably less than that um and and it's an online service so you can be a cord cutter and and use it it's great now that espn has the rights they're making this even better. They are killing that service and moving all of those games to ESPN Plus. So they're only on ESPN Plus, which you can get anywhere. And ESPN cost ESPN Plus cost five ninety nine a month or fifty nine ninety nine a year. So it's sixty bucks a year instead of a hundred forty bucks a year for me to watch all of my hockey games. And oh yeah, I'm already doing the Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus bundle. So I'm basically getting hockey for free now, and I am thrilled about it. In addition to that, if the Penguins are on national TV, which in this case would be ESPN now instead of NBC Sports, 75 of the 100 nationally televised games will also be on ESPN Plus and Hulu. So I'm going to get to watch way more hockey than i used to and then once the stanley cup finals and stuff roll around those will be on um you know some of those games will be on abc so that they can be watched over the air so i'm curious what this means for the playoffs because right now for the playoffs i do have to you know playoff games don't normally show up in these types of services so you have to switch to a cable or pay tv provider and i do wonder if i'm going to have to do that for the playoffs but again, it's only a couple of months and I was using Sling for that and I would just use Sling for this too. But maybe those will also be available via ESPN+. Plus. That would be awesome. This is fantastic news. I'm happy for you sports ball people. <laughs> well, are you happy about this Apple news in our audio section? Uh, yeah, this is a, a bit of a surprise. So we learned in the last few weeks that Apple is discontinuing the HomePod, the the original HomePod product, the very expensive, wonderful sounding HomePod product, but not the HomePod Mini. And so just let's rewind a little bit. If you remember our friend Seth Johnson over at the Home Tech Podcast used to refer to this concept as Siri in a can. And he wished for this for years. And eventually Apple came out with Siri in a can. But it was more like the 
Apple approach to everything. And instead of coming out with something that was comparably priced and comparably featured, they came out with something that was underfeatured and overpriced. <laughs> and it sounds and looks beautiful, though, right? So that's worth $349 shortly. Well, most people didn't think so. So within, I think, under a year, they dropped the price down to $299. And around the holidays, you can find them for as little as $200 a piece with, you know, you're not technically allowed to discount them that low. So it's by throwing in gift cards and stuff like that. Well, apparently there's just not enough demand for this thing. And so it didn't hit the market that they had hoped, which was the high-end audio market. Pretty much Sonos has that locked up. They are not going to really make the dent into that space that they wanted to. So they're dropping this product. But the HomePod Mini has been incredibly popular. It was sold out from the beginning. As soon as it launched, it took weeks to get one. And so... Now that is their primary product. They'll continue to sell that. As far as we know, at the current price of $99, the audio on that with two of them is good. It's very good. I don't think it's as good as two Sonos Ones, but two Sonos Ones would cost $400 instead of $200. Right. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but you know, the, the good thing here is that everything that you got from the HomePod, with the exception of that extraordinary sound that it put out, because it did have really, really good sound, was incorporated in the Mini. You get the far-field mics that I can just sit here and talk in a regular tone with it blaring, and it can hear me. My Echo devices can't do that. My Google Home can't do that. It's amazing how well that works. You get the touch capacitive screen on the top with visual feedback and volume buttons. It Everything else that they've incorporated into the HomePod is pretty much available through that thing. So I think this is the market speaking. I think this is the market telling Apple, yeah, no, we're not paying your ridiculously overpriced um, ticket for this product. But unfortunately, it just wasn't feasible for them to make it at a significantly lower price that would be more appealing. Well, wasn't possible or they just weren't willing to cut the margins. Yeah, perhaps that. I mean, Apple Apple's success is largely because they have some of the most significant margins, usually much, much greater, like multiple times Multiples. greater than right. pretty much any other hardware manufacturer. Yeah. Short of like you know, Sony and other companies that we also refer to as adding a tax for their, you know, for, for what you're buying. Right. Right. All right. Well, off to a little bit of gaming news. So we've got uh first one is a is a quick one for you. So this Friday, March twenty-sixth, the Xbox team is doing a big event for their ID at Xbox program, which is their program that really focuses on indie games. So they're going to be showcasing tons of indie games. How many? Over a hundred games. That's that's a lot. Uh, so some of those, it feels like it's just going to be clip, very short clips of games because it's not like you can show full trailers of over a hundred games in a reasonable amount of time. 
Uh, but if you're thinking eh, indies, who cares? Uh, there's going to be some pretty big name games in this list. So if you're at all interested in uh, the Xbox, really in general, but definitely if you're interested in indie games, you're going to want to check this out. It looks like it's exclusively on Twitch, which is kind of unusual. Typically, they would have it on on their website, on YouTube, like Mixer, but that doesn't exist anymore. You know, lots of different services, but it's just going to be on twitch.tv slash Xbox. And again, that's Friday, March 26th at noon Eastern. Also moving on, Xbox Series X and Series S owners who are willing to put their brand new consoles into a essentially a beta testing ring if they're in the xbox insider alpha ring which i think is probably the one that gets the most frequent updates and is also the least stable because of it they've gotten a pretty big new feature to start testing dolby vision hdr in games and that's not really available anywhere else the the xbox has never done it and the playstation 5 also doesn't do it. They both support HDR10, but not Dolby Vision. And as we've been saying uh, with regard to HDR technologies for the last few years, Dolby Vision is still the best. HDR10 is nice, but Dolby Vision just does things better. Uh, And just a quick reminder of why is that it handles that variance in the very, very bright and the very, very low, not across the whole screen, but by zone. Well, zone's probably not the right way of putting it. Yeah, by, I don't think it's by zone. I think it's more it's, by it's, frame. It's more by frame. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's it's by a discrete amount of content as opposed to across your 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 whole title or your whole, you know, everything that you're possibly putting on the screen. Right. Right. Yeah, you're not just defining what those minimum and maximum values are and stuff for the entire movie or in this case game. It is it's actually dynamic. It's making those calculations on the fly. Right. Uh, it's not available for every game right now. It's only available for Borderlands 3, Gears 5, Halo the Master Chief Collection, and Wreckfest. So it's a very small number of games that are that have this functionality available. But that's a that's a good sign of things to come, especially since, and although I wonder if this works with it, the the Xbox Series X and S have that auto HDR functionality, which will basically add HDR to games that don't have HDR. And I wonder if it'll also somehow do that with Dolby Vision. I don't know enough about the tech to even really guess, but I'm I'm hoping that that's the case. And then our our last gaming story is about GeForce Now. GeForce Now is one of those services that allows you to stream PC games to typically your PC, which I know sounds ridiculous, but if you've got a regular laptop, not a gaming PC, and you want to play Cyberpunk 2077, uh, well, it's going to look like trash on your regular laptop. And you might not want to spend $3,000 on a gaming laptop. So instead, you can use GeForce Now to stream games from a much more powerful computer in the cloud. And it's supposed to work pretty well. So they they are making some changes to the service, primarily around price. Uh, right now, there there are two tiers. There's a, a free tier and there's a premium tier. The main difference, well, there's a few of them, but the main ones are 
that the free tier only lets you play for one hour at a time, so you're not going to binge on the free tier. And there's a queue, like you have to wait in line to get access to these machines in the cloud. And if you're in the free tier, you end up in a, in a bigger queue, so you, you might have to wait longer. You also get less fancy bells and whistles. If you pay for the premium, you get shorter queues, you don't have the one hour limit on plane, plus you get things like ray tracing and DLSS. DLSS is, I don't remember what it stands for, but it dramatically increases frame rates without impacting, at least in a, in a noticeable way, without reducing quality. So those are two really key features for, you know, ray tracing is just going to make it look amazing. And DLSS, SSSSSS, however many S's are in that, <laughs> uh, is going to give you better frame rates. So if you wanted the premium support, it was $5 a month. It's going up to $10 a month or a hundred bucks a year for new subscribers. If you've been paying $5 a month, as long as you continue to pay $5 a month, it'll stay $5 a month forever. But for anybody who's signing up new, it's 10 bucks a month or a hundred dollars a year. I I keep talking about how I think this is a really cool service. Uh, I mean, I have a computer that used to be good enough to play games on, but it's not anymore. And with the price of video cards being absolutely ludicrous, I don't know how anybody builds gaming PCs anymore. So to pay nothing or $10 a month to be able to stream it from a really powerful computer in the cloud, I think it's a great way of being able to access PC games. And lots of games that are console games are also available on PC. Like Cyberpunk is on Xbox, PlayStation 5, and PC. I mean, pretty much most games now, unless they're platform exclusives, are designed and developed for all three platforms. So you don't necessarily have to go the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate route or just regular Game Pass. Uh, with with a limited library of games, you just, with, with GeForce Now, you buy the game on Steam, and then you log into a machine in the cloud, log in with your Steam account, and say, yep, I want to play that one right now. And it just starts streaming. So it's a very, very cool service. And that's it for our news. So wow. um, I, I'm going to, this is a lie, but I'm going to say I intentionally cut the news short because I knew with two weeks, Richard would have a ton of things going on in his entertainment center. That might not be the case this week, though. Yeah, well, content-wise, not as much, but stuff that I've been doing has really been taking up a lot of time. So I'm back at the hardware side of things. One of the things that I got for Christmas was the Hue Sync box. And by God for Christmas, I really mean got in February because you couldn't get them at Christmas. <laughs> but the Hue Sync box is this device that allows you to hook up your Hue lights into your television input, it's like a pass through. Can also operate as a switch, and then it can synchronize what's going on in the room where you're watching TV or playing a game or listening to music. And everybody that I've talked to that has one of these things just raves about how amazing it is. But it's expensive. It's like two hundred and thirty dollars, right? Which is really expensive. For, yeah, it is 
what this does. Because so it doesn't just, include a bunch of hue bulbs, right? It's no, right. Just the you know, you still have to have bulbs. the hue bridge and the hue bulbs and all that sort of stuff, right? And if you want the whole experience, they now sell this gradient-enabled uh, strip that you can specifically buy for the back of your television, sized to 50, 55, 65, and 75-inch televisions. Those only run about two to $300. Wow. Right. So I already have the family room rigged up with hue bulbs along both of the walls that converge where my TV is. My TV is in a corner. And along both walls, I have wall washers, bulbs that come out and uh, kind of put light on the walls because they're right next to the wall. And then I have one of those little hue bars that puts light, like projects light up or around. They're meant to put around a television. So mine's above my television. So I figured, okay, I'm already in good shape. I have the stuff. I just would want to control it. And you may remember that through software that you could buy, not even buy, that you could just download and run for like the sci-fi channel, for example, they had special kind of crazy experimentation with this technology for things like Sharknado. Oh, right. And you could watch Sharknado and the lights in your room would react to what was going on the screen. So, you know, someone gets bitten and the whole room washes in red and that <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> well, they have kind of perfected the technology and it is really friggin' cool. <laughs> it is really cool. $2,000 later, it's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah right, right. So uh, I am, I'm very happy with it. It tries to use CEC to figure out whether there's input coming to it or not at the moment and turn on automatically, but I don't want it to just come on all the time. I want to specifically say that I want to use it when I'm watching a movie. Unfortunately, it's a different app than the U app. So you have to download a separate thing and you have to go into it and you have to, so that means that you can't tie it to like a button that you might have somewhere else in your room that you could just press that say, okay, turn the movie lights on now because that would be really cool. So I, I need to do a little bit more experimentation with this, but overall, I am really impressed. And the better news probably is that while Edward has certainly rolled his eyes a couple of times, he hasn't said, I hate this, turn it off. That, that is the better news. So right? I'm guessing that if, if, if our listeners have zero hue bulbs, maybe you're not recommending this, but maybe if you do have some hue bulbs in your house already. Maybe you are recommending this. Yeah, that is a very good way of putting this. I would not suggest that you go out and get this if you haven't already invested in hue because hue is pretty much, I don't even know that this is a saying anymore, but the Cadillac of the light bulb game, right? <laughs> like they are at the, the top of the game. They are at the, they are at the top of the, the pricing structure. I'm sure there are some that are more expensive, but you're paying for their reliability, their consistency. You're paying for the Philips brand, which is really only a brand now. And it is it is only economical. And even saying that is absurd <laughs> if you already have Hue. So yes, I I would I would suggest if you have other bulbs, this is not for you. If you're thinking about what you should experiment with. I would experiment with the bulbs before I 
invest in something like this. Yeah. So that was thing one. The second thing that I got at Christmas was uh, another Sonos amp. And I now can say another Sonos amp because I didn't realize that I already had a Sonos amp. And I know that sounds ridiculous, right? (laughs) Sure does. These things cost money, but I had apparently already purchased one of these earlier, intending to tie it into my stereo system, the entertainment system. Well, so what that meant is I didn't really need a Sonos amp. I had a Sonos amp already. I thought before I had bought a Sonos port. The port is the thing that just lets you use a Sonos device as input to something else. It doesn't have an amplifier built in. It's not designed to pump out some crazy amount, I think like 200 watts of speaker power or something. But the amp is. The amp has all of that built in. Well, it it turns out I had bought an amp before, which is why it wasn't working when I tried to hook it up to my audio system, because you don't want to pump that kind of input into your AV receiver. That's not good for it. No. (laughs) And I did need an amp to power the speakers in the house. I was replacing an old Sonos device, an old Sonos amp. Uh, I think they call it the Connect or something. And I'm now returning the second amp, reallocated the amp that was temporarily sitting next to but not properly working with my entertainment system uh, on putting that on the house speakers. And I will now be ordering the port that I thought I had bought before. And I realize, as I say this, how absurd it is that I don't realize that I accidentally ordered a $550 device. I totally get that, right? (laughs) Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, and this is somewhat of an explanation as to why my life has been insane and why there's been no home on episode for the last several months. And we're not going to talk about that again for the rest of this episode, but I am in the process of purchasing a second home, a vacation property. And it will be, when we are not using it, a rental property. We're going to rent it out. And so I'm in the process of trying to figure out what kind of AV stuff I want in the house. Because most cable remotes suck. And I know that where I'm buying this, they use Spectrum Cable. And I know the Spectrum Cable remotes are terrible. And I don't even know that I really want traditional cable. But on the other hand, most people wouldn't. I think we're still at that point below the tipping point where most people that are renting a home wouldn't know what to do if they had to figure out what app to go to to get the equivalent of cable television channels. And so I'm kind of struggling because I'm walking this weird line between vacation home for me, rental home for people who may not know even how to use a damn remote. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most rentals, they just put like the $130 TV that they got from Costco in the giant living room. It's only 42 inches and, and it's way too small. And leave whatever junk remote is there that's usually covered in, in tape to keep the battery cover on and call it a day. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that's almost exactly right. Now, the good news is this place is going to have big TVs. It's going to have Samsung smart TVs. They will be LED. They're not, uh, uh, they're not going to be OLED or anything like that, but they're going to have nice equipment. It's just a matter of getting, getting the service and making it usable. And that's what I'm a little challenged by. And I also want to explore the possibility of putting a game console in there. There's, there's a rec room with a pool table and stuff like that. And it would be cool on the TV down there to be able to have a game console, uh, kind of, you know, just like a, a general gaming area. So yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling there. So y'all have about a week to get feedback to us, to let us know what you think that maybe I should consider if we're doing this as a way of getting cable content and potentially music and gaming to people who might rent this property in a way that most people are going to understand. I think that's the real challenge here. Well, clearly you need to put an Xbox in there and then hopefully yeah, but you people, can't buy one. Well, you, you could even put an Xbox one in there, like get it, get an Xbox one S or, or one X or something. And True. you're still going to be able to use, like I, I could walk in there log in with my Xbox account and have access to everything on Game Pass and everything that I own. Yep. I've got to download it, so hopefully you've put some some good internet in that house, which it's you, so I'm sure you will. But <laughs> since it's not just a rental, like this is also a place you're using. So pe- like that's something that people should know. Like this is Richard right. uh, who is going to be using this house also. So it's not going to be the low end crap that we were talking <laughs> that I was joking about earlier. It's going to be good stuff or else he's going to lose his mind when he's there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So on the content side, it's a lot of the usual stuff. Uh, shameless. I've been keeping up to date with that. That is almost over. I think there's uh, one or two episodes left. Superstore, I'm up to date on that. And like I've said before, that's not as good as it's always been. New Amsterdam has been good, but I'm having a hard time with the fact that they're playing, as I think I put it on Twitter a couple of days ago, fast and loose with their masks. This is a medical drama, and I really want them to demonstrate how to do this right. And maybe they are. Maybe there's a bubble around a certain group of people that I don't understand, but I'm having a hard time finding a pattern that makes it make sense. And that's really bothering me. Also been uh, keeping up with This Is Us, which is, I think, the same night as New Amsterdam. I've been watching more of Kim's Convenience. We got back to The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. We're now on to season six of Doctor Who. Been watching Last Week Tonight in real time with Bill Maher. That's my news fix. Haven't been watching as much news otherwise, which is, like I said before, kind of refreshing. And trying to catch up now on Snowpiercer and The Flash. The Flash started and I didn't even realize that it had. And I think I mentioned this last time we spoke, but first episode did not catch me. And I hope the season gets better. It hasn't been getting that much better, so it needs to get much better, or I may be done with it finally. And then finally, in terms of movies, we watched two movies this past weekend. We watched the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel and the second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, which may, in fact, be the best sequel name ever. These are two films that 
I don't think they did, but they could have come out of Bollywood for how uh, how well they they were produced and how much they seemed representative of Bollywood style films in terms of the production and uh, the performances and stuff like that. So it was really cool and. I enjoyed them both. I've seen them both before, and we just decided to sit down and watch them back to back. That's cool. That, that, that really is a great movie title name. <laughs> it is indeed. All right, so that was it for me. Josh, how about you? Okay, on the gaming side, probably more gaming than I should be doing. should probably be spending every waking second packing. That's what it feels like. Uh, but a fair amount of NHL, a little bit of Call of Duty uh, on the TV watch inside, of course, a, a few Penguins games here and there. Also watched the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I didn't hear that on your list. Oh, and you're right. I did watch it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, what do you in think? In fact, I watched it not realizing that it was a series, thinking that it was a movie and it was over <laughs> in 50 minutes. And Edward was like, wait, huh? Because I got him to watch it, which was surprising because he hated the second Captain America movie. So I didn't mm. think that he would be into the Winter Soldier at all. He didn't seem to hate this, but when we learned that it was a series, he's like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> I will continue to watch it. I liked it. I liked it too. Uh, it, it started up and, and we're watching with my almost 13 year old and, and she's like, it, it's rated TV 14 or, or whatever. It's for 14, whatever the, the moniker is for for, for mm-hmm. 14 year olds it's like really why and then like there's just people dying left and right people getting shot a couple of swear words i was like this is a little bit edgier than i expected for disney plus uh i mean it's not like it's some rated r flick or anything like that none of the none of the people dying is gory by any means but there's right. definitely like there's there's no way of explaining, oh, they, they probably didn't die. No, it's like helicopters exploding. Like, people are for sure dead, right? Right. No, they, they definitely. And, and, and I think that by that, they're holding very true to the Marvel Cinematic Universe brand. That this is not watered down for the Disney Plus streaming service. Yeah. Although, I, I think that a lot of the MCU stuff is a little bit watered down. Uh, I I think that this this felt edgier than typical MCU for me, not by a ton, and certainly not anything like DC movies, but it felt a little bit edgier. Hmm. But but in terms of the content, I liked it uh, probably more than I expected. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it continues. I'm interested. Cool. Uh, obviously, no spoilers here, but yeah, we'll keep watching it. Uh, the other one that I watched, and this wasn't. Uh, within the last two weeks, I could have talked about this on the last show. I just forgot to put it in the notes. I finally got around to watching Tenet. Yay! I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I didn't think it was as confusing as everyone made it out to be. Mm. Like it, it's a little mind bendy for sure, but uh, I, I thought it was easy enough to follow. I mean, I, I wasn't trying to really figure out all the the physics and all of that stuff of of how does this actually work? But, you know, you could start to see some of the stuff as like, oh, that's why they did that earlier. Oh, right. oh that's cool. Right. <laughs> like, right. I, and I loved that stuff. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. 
That, it is cool. There were a lot of moments in there that reminded me, and not surprisingly, of um, his, his other film that just suddenly escaped my mind right now <laughs> as we're talking about this. Oh, my God. Inception. Oh, he did Inception? Okay. I think that's also his. I could be wrong, but I think that's also his. So, when, you know, that there were the same sort of moments where mm-hmm. you're like having trouble keeping track of who's where and and why and what they're doing and how that impacts what someone else is doing or in fact what they're doing and it's it's just yeah maybe i just need to watch it i don't know before i have dinner and drinks right like, <laughs> maybe i just need to go into it with a clear afternoon head and really focus on it and not be uh like fighting the after dinner doldrums right right the only part that i found kind of confusing was like the final battle scene oh yeah oh yeah it was <laughs> but right. yeah it was good like i'm not yeah. going to say it's like top 5 movies all time for me or anything like that but definitely a really good action movie yeah. really good like and I, I we joke all the time about how much i love brainless fast and the furious movies and this is the opposite of that uh but i, I didn't feel like it was you know too out there uh, um it, it was good i really liked it i think all the people who were crapping all over it for trying to do too much and being too intellectual or whatever it is that they're crapping all over it for need to calm down and just enjoy <laughs> the movie for what it is uh so the other thing I wanted to briefly talk about, and it's going to be real brief because I don't actually have hands-on experience with it yet directly, is we mentioned a few episodes ago about the new Xbox wireless headset that was announced and how excited I was about it. I do not have one yet, but two of my friends do, and it's two two of the three guys that I regularly play Xbox with, and they mostly like it. But there are a couple of things that they're not loving right now. So hmm. the mic monitoring is not great, but I I don't know. Like, mic monitoring tends to not be great. Uh, it, like, I, I don't think I've ever had a headset where I thought that the mic monitoring was loud enough to keep me from yelling. If you don't believe me, just ask Jen. Uh, I'm always loud when I'm playing Xbox. And <laughs> yeah, she's she's over there chuckling right now. We were um, also questioning how good that would really be. Yeah. Well, the other thing that we were questioning how good it would really be is that it has uh, the capability to, in theory, tune out other noises in your environment. Right. And that's where things get bad. It almost seems like it's amplifying the other sounds in the environment. So, like... The, the the first night that one of the guys got it, he had his kids stand like four feet away from him and just talk like normal. And we're like, yeah, we can totally hear your son. Uh, it's not doing anything. Um, have him stand across the room. Yeah, we can still hear him just fine. And uh, another guy got it. And, you know, his wife was like in the room and, you know, just occasionally chatting with him and stuff. And I'm like, I've never been able to hear your wife ever. And now that you've got this headset that's supposed to be tuning out background noise, mm-hmm. I can hear her. So they've got some work to do on that side. Yeah. Well, I I wonder if it's more tuned specifically to actual noises and mm. not speech, 
right? If it's recognizing speech and so it's letting it through, as opposed to if, say, his wife had been, I don't know, running the juice mixer in the kitchen or something. <laughs> or, or as my wife tends to do while I'm, while I'm playing Xbox, running the coffee grinder. <laughs> yeah, same sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't have one yet. I'm still interested in getting one. Uh, I'm really hoping that we're going to see some software updates or firmware updates to it to make those couple of features a little bit better. I anticipate we will. Uh, and once once I hear, I'll let you know. I will say the mics sound good. The mics do sound really good. Uh, so your your friends, if you have one of these, will appreciate you for having it for that as long if as there isn't a lot of background noise. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So that's it for for what's going on here. And that's it for the show. If you'd like to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone, and in various other places. All of our contact information is available in the show notes where we've also got links to all of the stories that we talked about tonight. You can, of course, find that over at TheDigitalMediaZone.com. You can also go there on Tuesday nights, typically around 8.30 p.m. Eastern to watch the show live. Uh, it's not Tuesday today. That's why I said typically. So follow us on Twitter. We always tweet about when the show will be live, but it's typically Tuesday nights around 8.30 p.m. Eastern. It's going to do it, though, for episode 552. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.